this week's episode of Seeking Proof, Finding Grace. I'm your host, Ron Campbell, and this week, as with every week, I want to start off by reminding you of the most important truth in the entire universe. God loves you. This week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Before we wrap up this question of fine-tuning, I thought we might, it might be good to use a visual example to show a little bit of what we're talking about as we look at this subject. And we're going to go back to our old friend Stephen Hawking. We're going to go back to one of his Discovery Channel specials, uh, this one, I think, was called Into the Universe with Stephen Hawking, The Story of Everything. That is an ambitious title. I'll put the proper credits in the video notes when we're done. But when we look at this topic of fine-tuning, I, I think it's sometimes helpful to see a visual example. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at about a three-minute-long clip from Dr. Hawking's special. And what he's showing during this clip, it, it, it's, a, it's a great demonstration in some ways, um, what he's showing is gravity's effect in the early universe and how gravity helped to pull together all of the matter that was out there after the Big Bang to help it form suns and galaxies and solar systems and all of those kinds of things. And how did gravity manage to pull this all together? But I think in doing this, this is going to give us a really good opportunity to look at this question of fine-tuning within his example. So what I want you to keep in mind as you're watching this, and we're going to jump into the video, and then we'll kind of loop around and talk about it. But what I want you to keep in mind as you're watching the video clip is, number one, his focus exclusively on gravity. Number two, how he, may, how he chooses to use his example uh, with ball bearings and things like that. Again, it's a, it's a clever illustration. And then number three, what I want you to think about and consider is, what if we looked at it from a little bit further back, a little bit bigger picture perspective, and we said, what other things are going on here, though, in addition to just gravity? Some of the fine-tuning things that we've talked about. So we're going to take a pause here. We're going to play the video. It's about three minutes long. And when the video is done, we're going to jump back in, and we're going to dissect and talk about the problems with Dr. Hawking's example. All right, off to the videotape. In the early universe, gravity had a much bigger role to play. Right after the Big Bang, the universe was just gas, almost perfectly spread out throughout space. Over the next 200 million years, gravity began to pull the gas back together to produce the very first structures from which everything else would grow. But even this very nearly didn't happen. If it weren't for another stroke of cosmic luck, there would be no you, no me, no stars or planets or anything at all. We know this because in 1982, a group of scientists, including myself, spent three solid weeks working it out. Although the calculations were hard, demonstrating what we discovered is easy. First, I need a nice flat floor, like this one, for example. This is the dining room in my college. I'm going to fill the place with lots and lots of ball bearings.
the matter of the early universe, a thin gas spread out evenly across the vast cosmos. Here's where luck comes in. If they're all the same distance apart, gravity pulls each ball the same amount in all directions. They stay perfectly aligned and precisely nothing happens. Fortunately, one of the basic rules of the universe is that nothing's perfect. Perfection simply doesn't exist. The early universe had a tiny unevenness that can be simulated by removing just five ball bearings. It may not look like much has changed, but to gravity, those missing balls create a giant opportunity. Gravity now pulls more strongly on one side of some of the bearings. The tiny irregularities in the sea of ball bearings have given gravity something to sink its teeth into. And this is exactly what happened back where we left the young universe. Okay, so I understand what Dr. Hawking is trying to do here, and it's generally it's a good example, but there's a few things I think that might be helpful for us to remember as we look at it, where he's oversimplifying this a bit. And I, and I understand, I'm not trying to nitpick this too much, but I think they're important as we look at this. Number one, he's using a two-dimensional example instead of three. Remember, if we actually consider what's going on in the early universe, it wouldn't be a group of ball bearings laying on the floor. The ball bearings would all be would all be in a three-dimensional model around the beginning point where the Big Bang occurred. So he has simplified this by putting them all on the floor into a two-dimensional model rather than three. Number two, and this is the biggest problem, the ball bearings are stationary. In, in the real early universe, what would have been happening? The ball bearings would have all been moving apart in every direction. And again, in a three-dimensional model, it's that much more problematic. If we think about it in our example of his two-dimensional model, all of the ball bearings would be moving out away from each other and in all kinds of various distances moving out from that beginning point. So within a three-dimensional model and moving apart, it starts to paint a better picture of how difficult the problem really is. So I, I think those, and those are the two main issues with, with how he sets this up. Leading into the third, and the third issue is going to be the biggest problem, and I'm going to be the first to admit, I, I want to be gracious here in all of this, he's trying to show the effect of gravity in the early universe. I get it, I understand it, but I am going to pick on that point just a little bit. The biggest problem in all of this is he presents this from the standpoint that gravity is the only factor out there in all of this. And in the last couple of episodes, we've talked about one of Hawking's quotes about the early expansion rate of the universe. If we think about this from a fine-tuning perspective, because gravity, remember, is one of those finely tuned things that we've been talking about. If you think about his example with the ball bearings laying on the floor, if gravity is too strong at that moment, then everything starts to pull back together 
and it can't escape gravity's pull and everything crushes back together into one big massive black hole. But if, every, but if gravity's too weak, then everything just keeps moving out endlessly and you get no suns, no solar systems, no planets, no galaxies, no anything. Everything just dissipates into, well, nothingness ultimately. So gravity has got to be incredibly finely tuned to be able to pull off the example that he's giving. But that's only number one. If we look at some of the other things, and I want you to think about this, imagine his model in a three-dimensional model. So now there's ball, ball bearings moving in every direction away from a midpoint. So it's three-dimensional and they're all moving. What are the things that he's going to have to account for in all of this? And I think this is where one of the ways I think we sometimes get sold on naturalistic ideas is we take a very narrow example and we kind of pull it apart from everything else and we say, look at this one narrow example. See how this one thing could have happened? That's how everything could have happened. Charles Darwin, amazing picture painter. He could paint a picture like nobody else. And he was able to do that throughout his book and look at examples of something that exists moving to something that exists that's slightly different and say, imagine that all the way back to the very beginning and that's how these creatures have evolved. Painting a picture based on one little tiny example can be a good illustration, but it can also be very dangerous. And in this situation, by painting this example for us, Dr. Hawking paints a great picture of what gravity had to do to pull these things together. But he dramatically undersells how difficult the problem really is. By his own words and his own admission, if the expansion rate of the early universe, of the universe itself, isn't exactly right, then gravity has got to be set at a very different level. And gravity's problem is going to be immense. If the expansion rate is too fast, gravity's not going to be able to do any good. If it's too slow, well, then gravity's going to have to be set at a weaker level so that gravity doesn't pull everything together into a big black hole right from the beginning. So what we need the expansion rate of the universe to be to get to a life-permitting universe is going to be dependent on what gravity is. If one is higher, the, other, the, the other's got to move, and they're going to have to go in relationship like this. And if you overcorrect one, you cause catastrophe. If you undercorrect it, you cause catastrophe. And they both have to be fine-tuned to this enormously high level. So you're going to have a problem with the expansion rate of the universe being a really big issue in all of this, combined with gravity. So the two of them have got to combine together for his ball bearings to actually come together and work. You're also going to have Einstein's cosmological constant. You're going to have the initial phase space volume. You're going to have so many of these things that all pile in together to get his little example of ball bearings to actually work. You know, I noticed that Dr. Hawking mentioned in there that if it wasn't for another stroke of cosmic luck, that none of this would have happened. And I, I cringed a little bit when he said that. Now, in, again, I want to be fair. What he was saying was is that the, the fortunate part was that the universe wasn't spread evenly, and that he pulled out the five ball bearings. But again, there's this need to go back to luck. And I, I don't even think in that case you have to subscribe that to luck. And there would be a random distribution of matter after the Big Bang. I think that's pretty straightforward. I don't even think you need to pull luck in on that one. But there is this tendency to always go back to luck in all of this. And I did find that funny as we were looking at that video. I think this is where we lose our curiosity too quickly when we're dealing with topics like this. And we need to recognize the difficulty involved and again, where fine-tuning points to the fingerprint of design ultimately. 
as we look at this situation and we look at Dr. Hawking's example, again, great example, appreciate him doing that. I think it does illustrate exactly how parts and pieces of this might have worked. But to make the example work properly, there really needs to be some consideration given, or at least mentioned in the example, of all of the other finely tuned forces that have to come together for gravity to start pulling things together, for the, the speed of the universe expanding and gravity being just right and all these things starting to come together. And, and you have these varying layers of fine tuning that are gonna impact that. So once you start pulling things together, then you're going to be dealing with, well, how do you fire up stars and how does this go? You're going to have issues with how quickly is the universe cooling down? Because if you don't get this done quickly and everything gets too cold, you're never going to fire a star up in the first place. You have all of these different things that have got to come together exactly right. I love the example that he uses because I do think it drives home the point of, of what's going on in the early universe. From the viewer's perspective, I wanted to illustrate, though, how difficult the problem really is by looking at this example. And what he portrays in the example is how difficult it was for gravity acting on its own, gravity by itself to have pulled this off. He illustrates how difficult it would have been, but in doing so, he still dramatically undersells how big the problem is. It's important to remember that as we look at it. Hawking is focused in on just gravity, and he's right. It, this was a tall order. This goes way beyond a cosmic stroke of luck. And again, I, I know what he's saying, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. But as we look at the scope of just this one problem, and there's so many more coming up in the weeks to come, as we look at the scope of this one problem, what do we think the odds are of our ball bearings pulling back together? I just thought it might be helpful this week if we took a step back and looked at that. I want to thank you for joining us this week. We're going to have a short episode this week. Next week, we're going to wrap up fine-tuning. We're going to bring it all together, and we're going to finish looking at this topic and decide what do we see from fine-tuning. Do we see that naturalism and the multiverse have it all figured out, or do we see that this really is the clear fingerprint of intelligence? And after that, we'll start jumping into some of the questions of our little solar system, galaxies, stars, I mean, once we're through with this, is it's really fairly easy from this point going forward, right? I mean, surely that's not that much more difficult once we have the universe to get to the point of where we are, or is it? Once again, thank you so much for joining us this week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. As always, I hope you'll hit the like and subscribe button if you enjoyed this video. You can also find our podcasts out on iTunes and Spotify, and you can find us on our website at prooftograce.com or reach out to us via email at prooftograce at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.